Sometimes it just doesn't like to do the headlines intro. Let's do it one more time. Feels good, man, right? We need that intro. Sometimes it doesn't like to do the transition. How are you guys doing this morning? Welcome to Hangouts and Headlines, November 10th, 2022. I'm going to try to fight through a little bit of a frog in my throat this morning, which is why I'm very glad right here at the top to welcome in Ian Runkle, Runkle of the Bailey, who has decided that sleep is for the dead <laughs> this morning and has just foregone the entire process to be here with us uh, because, you know, he is deeply invested in the American college sports scene. How are you doing, Ian? Oh, doing pretty well. I'm uh, actually feeling a lot better. I mean, I was kind of hiding it, but during the 24-hour live stream, um, I was occasionally like stepping away for breaks to just cough up a lung. And you uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm feeling a lot better now. I've still got a cough, but uh, I'm feeling less like death. So um, that's a good thing. Now, but, for, uh, for folks that haven't seen you in a while, I have an important critical question of legal uh, significance. Uh, is is the beard, is the facial hair, is that, a, is, that a, is that staying? Is that a new improvement? What are we, what are we thinking, Ian? Uh, my wife has given this till about the end of the month. All right. And so it's That's an experiment. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I like it. Um, okay. I, I'm kind of like, I kind of have the homeless wizard look. For what it's worth, uh, I think it works for you. I think you look good. Well, but, thank you. It's uh, but I'm getting mixed uh, mixed reviews. Some people sure. in my uh, in my comments are like, "Hey, I really like the you know the facial hair," and some people are going like, "What the hell is that on your face?" <laughs> um, like, well, Sarah, and I think this is an important conversation at the top of this episode, particularly because we're going to be talking about objectification and comments that people receive on their faces and their bodies. And I can tell you, Ian's received some. I can tell you I've received plenty, you know, uh, very always, always super positive about being online and showing your face around here. I can promise you that everybody you've ever watched has received things like this. And that doesn't mean that it isn't more so for the ladies of, of YouTube or otherwise. But we'll talk oh. about all that because the topic today is that the New York Times has decided that maybe it's not okay for all these young female athletes to make so much money based on name, image, and likeness. Now, if none of that made any sense to you, we're going to be talking about the NCAA, how we arrived at NIL rules, name, image, and likeness rules, and just exactly where the pearls are that New York Times is clutching on this particular <laughs> article. But we'll do that in a couple of minutes, as we always do here in the videos. We're going to start with Hangouts. Uh, Ian, what are you playing while we while we drag some uh, hangouts in here? Are you playing any good video games lately? I know you played a ton on Saturday. I've been playing uh, Sniper Elite Five, uh, okay. mostly because it. I've got the sort of Xbox subscription, and I was debating whether I was going to keep it going. Okay, but Sniper Elite Five is on that, and um, I've liked I liked four, uh, but I kind of feel like I'm playing it wrong because it's like. Hey, we've got this whole stealth mechanic and whatever else. And I find I just go through and just shoot everything. And it's really, you know, it's like, oh, I could sneak around this guy, but he's still a Nazi. And so why don't I just turn? And the game actually has this uh, mechanic. It's something that they borrowed from a webcomic where they were like, I forget which webcomic it was that did it first, where they were like, you know, 
what if they told you little factoids about this person's life? <laughs> and so if you actually hover over them with a with the binoculars, it'll show you like, you know, and sometimes it's like, oh, this guy is a true believer and plans to name his kid Adolf. That is uh, literally one of the things that might come up for one. They're of trying people. to make you feel good about the shooting. But the other ones, like sometimes it's things like this guy is secretly smuggling out his rations to feed to a dog. And, you know, there's one where there's a sniper and it's listing his things as, you know, his dogs at home just had puppies and he's just managed to secure leave to go visit them. And I'm like, oh, that's sad. But still a Nazi. That's right. And, you know, what, a, what a weird thing. I have not played this game, Ian. Um, but I had I had played earlier versions of, of that series. What a weird thing. It it uh, is kind of weird, but yeah, I just kind of find myself going through it with like, you know, the glitter blade strategy of murder, murder, murder. And uh which is a reference to Lawyers and Dragons. If you don't follow it, that's our good friend Rob at Law and Lumber, who uh, is a killing machine over at Lawyers and Dragons Land. Diana B., thank you for the super chat. Special guest morning. Two of my favorite law tubers or tuners. Law tuners <laughs> sounds like lawyers who play surf music on the weekends. Yeah, law tuners. I like it. Thank you, Diana B. I really appreciate it. Uh, Shereen says, Ooh, this is, this is the time I'm going to convince Ian that my video game is good. Laughing emoji. Shereen, what's your video <laughs> game? Which well, one do you like? Cause I can't win. He can't, he's not coming over to the side of immortality anytime soon. Uh, the other one I've been playing, uh, is I've been playing prey again. And, uh, because of Saturday, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, basically, but also because I mean, prey is just a good game and, um, Prey is one of these games that it's just like, I really want to see a good sequel to it. Um, so, although it's tough and I don't want to give away spoilers because talking about like the sequel aspect really ties into the plot of Prey. So, um, I like to call yeah. it twisty. It's a twisty game. Um, yeah, it does well. Like, we had this whole discussion on twists, and Prey is one of these games that I still like the plot, even after I know all of the twists. And it's got several. Like, it pulls off several twists repeatedly where you're just like, all right, this is, you know, <laughs> they've just readjusted my impressions of what's going on here. People so, love the ending of Prey. People love that whole end sequence. The um, end sequence is good. Um, although it's funny. Somebody was like, hey, what's your favorite ending? And I kind of like the one where you get on the shuttle and just leave. Book it. And it's like, no, no, this this is dumb. Is <laughs> basically the response to that. And then it's like, you have achieved an ending. It is not the good ending. It's not even the bad ending. It's just the you suck at that, you know, at engaging with the moral philosophy here. <laughs> Sue asks a question, Ian, and I want to give you the opportunity because I'm still super, super proud of everything that happened on Saturday. How much did you raise so far? Uh, the total is just a, a touch over 50,000 US, which is insane. And you guys are all wild and amazing because, um, I mean... 
you know, I donated, I forget how much in that, you know, as sort of a starting thing. And, you know, all the rest of that is you guys out there in the community. So, um, and the best part is I'm going to claim some credit for some of the other uh, people on that uh, other people's donations. And specifically, I mean, uh, the people, the company behind Ark Survival, uh, whatever. <laughs> the dinosaur? And, uh, Vin, Vin Diesel? Uh, I don't know if Vin Diesel's in it in any fashion, but it's, yeah, it's the dinosaur game. Um, you don't know about Ark 2 and Vin Diesel being in there? Oh, we're going to have to find a picture of that. No, I did not. So know why, that. but why are we thanking them? So uh, they have a leaderboard uh, for extra life, and in order for some of these companies to say, "Hey, we were in the top five, they basically poured money into their donation pool. So they donated to their own thing in amounts like ten thousand dollars and fifty thousand uh, dollars, just to push me off the leaderboard so that they could get up there. So I'm like. All of those donations that made them do that were basically tripled <laughs> because of ah, so that. You, I'm like, there you go. Yeah. There's some credit for you. Who is so, this Runkle of the Bailey? Let's get our marketing money in there. See, here, here you go. Here's Mr. Diesel riding a dinosaur for Arc Two. Okay, this is who you're. This is who you're competing against. Fast and Furious with dinosaurs. Get out of here. Stop that. <laughs> I'm just uh, like that's, such, that's such good that's news. a thing. Yeah, yeah no, and I, you know, I can't be mad about the people pushing me off the leaderboard because it's all going to kids, right? So I'm just like, yep, go ahead, kick me off yeah, that no, leaderboard. But uh, I just, I'm amused, is what it comes uh, comes down to at the end. Hey, that's fantastic. That is fantastic. Yeah, Claude Sibian says, I love the $40 and $10,000 donations in the top five above Ian. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. <laughs> and you look at them and it's like, oh, right. You just poured. It's like they're pouring money into their own till. Well, in Wizards of the Coast uh, has this huge number. And when you look at it, it's 770000 is from Wizards of the Coast. I'm like, all right, fair enough. Um, other than that, they raised like $12. But uh and somebody's like, you've got to get a profile picture. I'm like, it's way funnier if I don't. <laughs> just, you're just a random, like, bot. These marketing hey, sorry, guys. like, the marketing uh, department is sitting there going like, who is this dude? Well, see, we got to make sure that they know your name in the future. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, I and I mean, with luck, I'll be doing this again next year and trying to make their life difficult again next year. Hey, there you go. There you go. I like this. I saw two world work signs side by side and thought of you and Ian playing moon crash. <laughs> you didn't whack it with a wrench. Did you get out of your car? <laughs> Especially don't whack it with the car. No, no. They get, they, they get mad about that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Real so. mad. <laughs> Whiskey 77. Thank you for the super chat day off due to a hurricane. And I wake up to Hogan Runkle. Great start to a day off. Yes, uh, certainly us and not the hurricane. Stay safe out there. Uh, hopefully yeah, everything is fine. <laughs> Emily Aaron. I've never had to deal with a hurricane, but they don't sound like fun. No, I don't think there's a lot of hurricanes up in Canada. I could be wrong. You can correct me on this stuff. <laughs> uh, at least not where I am. So, 
but how is everybody else doing? Um, you know, we always talk about where you're hanging out from. What are you what are y'all thinking about? We skipped Wednesday, obviously. As I said at the top of this video, I got a little frog in my throat, so we're going to be trying to work through that, but I seem to be doing okay uh, as of right now. Uh, where are you all hanging out from? What other games would you recommend for Ian to play? Ian is very open to game recommendations, uh, including from whatever you want to recommend, Shireen. And I, will, I will give just about anything a try. I can't guarantee that I will like everything. Oh, as... He will savage your game. <laughs> just so we're clear, he doesn't hold back. I mean... We don't um, have to talk about immortality. It's okay. On a, uh, I used to play a lot on one of these flash game sites, and I did a lot of things which I basically was calling misanthrope game reviews. And I was not always kind. I will say that and be like, hey, just, um, yeah, they've got this game, and here's the mechanics, and they're bad, and you shouldn't play it. Um, <laughs> I wasted time on this. Don't. Um, well, there you go. I mean, at least if you're telling it honest, you can save somebody some time, right? Yeah, and I see somebody saying Don't Starve. Don't Starve is a good game. Have you played Don't Starve? I have, yeah. Clay, I like Clay. I think I've played everything from Clay. They uh, uh, they do good work. Yeah, I think my the latest of theirs is one of my favorites, Griffblands. That one I haven't played at this point. But, uh, yes, Griffblands involves sure. card battling in which you have to win uh, rhetorical arguments with cards. So, obviously, right up my alley. Interesting. Oh, I don't. I don't know. Ian, do you play mobile? You playing any Marvel Snap? Uh, I don't really do mobile games. I did. Um, I played a lot of Plants vs Zombies Heroes. Um, okay. And then I just the, the game I play on my phone when I'm bored is Don't Starve. <laughs> so, Sardinism says. I'm spelling something in Ian's handle wrong. It's just not popping up, so they asked me. My mom wants to ask, what about the drafted people in Sniper Elite 5? So they do have a lot of people where it mentions, like, one of them, it literally comes up as, this guy got drafted because he uh, had a bachelor party go wrong and woke up drunk in the back of a truck on the way to, like, training. Mm -hmm. And um, I was just like, yeah, okay, but you're still, like, one less person at this point is still going to help the war effort. So, yeah, I just find it hard to be like, you know, maybe I shouldn't shoot this guy, because I'm like, there's a lot at stake. They're, um, they're making you make moral calculations in a game called Sniper Elite 5? <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, it's kind of weird, because, like, you could be taking a shot at, like, 500 yards... And it's still like, did you know this guy has a puppy? I'm like, <laughs> how would I know that? I'm just seeing the top of his head poking up over sandbags <laughs> through I, a rifle scope from 500 yards away. That's um, true. It's an omniscient narrator that is communicating these things to you. Yeah, so I'm just like, uh, that's just a little weird. Oh, my goodness. Brett, with a very big, generous super chat. Thank you so much, Brett. I would like to say happy birthday to all my fellow Devil Dogs. 247 years of pride and tradition is being celebrated around the world today. We are all graduates from the University of Science, Math, and Culture, USMC. It's not usually <laughs> what I see for USMC, Brett. I wonder uh, if there's a uh, if there's something humorous going on there. Or I think maybe. 
I think Britt might be having fun with us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for the super chat, Britt, and uh, congratulations on the anniversary. Uh, Katie says, I'm free from my cast, stuck oh, wearing yes. a splint, but I can take it off to shower and wash my hands. Good. Good. I'm glad to hear it as much as I like seeing the cast pictures, Katie. Is that EDB in the profile pic? I think that's EDB. That's awesome. I, I mean, there's only so many uh, purple-haired uh, lawyer-looking ladies, I think. So. With the glasses? I'm pretty <laughs> sure those are her uh, her trademark uh, lenses there. So, uh, Yeah. Well, congratulations, Katie. Uh, and uh, if we're right, congratulations on your photo with Emily. Uh, th thank you for letting me know. Yes, Katie says, that's EDB. Nice. Uh, one of these days I got to meet EDB and I got to do, I got to pin her down during like some of the, the complete lack of spare time she's got to do <clears throat> that legally blonde watch party. <laughs> uh, yes. Our friend is very, very busy, isn't she? Uh, oh, that's a great man. picture. She's always flying somewhere or doing something. And I'm just like, how do you keep on top of this? Uh, it's true. It's true. It's 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 very very true. Uh, that is an awesome picture. It's their Marine Corps birthday. LOL. Yes, I figured from USMC. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm not so ignorant of these things, uh, but uh, that's very good to see. Sassy Chicken says happy birthday, Marines. Uh, my husband is a Marine. Happy USMC birthday. Uh, I uh, I have to admit, for the most part, I recognize that from things like Halo. So I'm just gonna be honest on this. Uh, but that's fantastic. Uh, anyone play Gwent? First of all, if you've played The Witcher, uh, or if you've ever played The Witcher with me, you know that all I do is go into different villages and play the card game Gwent. That's just what I do. Uh, there's monsters to be slayed. There's puzzles to be solved. There's problems to be, uh, well, let's say addressed rather than kind of fixed. Uh, but Gwent, first and foremost, around the world. You play Witcher, Ian? I played a little bit. Um, I should probably stream more Witcher because uh, people seem to think it is hilarious to see me play with Witcher for some mm. reason. Um, they you raise a good point, Ian. <laughs> um, I've actually I'm thinking that I'm gonna try to do a uh, a Halloween costume for next year. You know, giving myself time of making Witcher armor. You're gonna um, be Geralt. You're gonna be Geralt of Rivia out of actual leather um so we're talking like probably four hundred dollars in raw materials at least uh plus time so um yeah now are you trying to make the netflix witcher armor or are you trying to make one of the video game sets what are you thinking I'd probably do the netflix just because the video game sets uh have a lot of metal in them Okay. And I don't have the like I don't have that the those skills. So whereas the uh the Netflix show is primarily leather. Okay. And um leather and rivets basically and it's like that I can do. Um, <laughs> All right, well, if we're going to go in the direction of the game, I was going to advocate for the armor of the cat. That's that's what I roll as the Witcher. So I I have to decide between season 1 and season 2. <laughs> Um, season two has like the abs. Um, so that would be its own thing. Cause I'd have to do like shaping to, and I kind of feel like at that point I would look like I'm, you know, those little, uh, this was my wife's analogy, so I can't claim credit, but like 
you see children wearing those like superhero costumes, sure, the, little, the little Hulk abs. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, I and I'm like, that's what I would feel like wearing the ab armor. So, um, well, I mean, yeah. it's not a Batman costume with the nipples, right? I mean, so you're you're avoiding that. Yeah, I definitely will not add nipples because um, I don't yeah. know why anybody ever did. <laughs> it it just seemed. Uh, Weird. And somebody said, if I get it done before September, I've got to hit up Dragon Con in Atlanta. Um, Dragon Con? That sounds fun. The thing is, is that like doing cons in armor um, is itself not necessarily the most fun. Sure. Because um, typically the costumes aren't the most mobile. And... Uh, I did a thing where I, uh, I actually was doing a, a talk at a con. Uh, we were talking about these zombie simulation games that we were uh, putting on. But uh, I did that in like post-apocalyptic tire armor. And uh, let me tell you, the tire armor got really... Uh, I got tired of it uh, pretty quickly. I bet. I bet. So you've already attended a con in armor. Yep. And uh, and a gas mask. I really don't recommend that. That's not a lot of fun. No, it doesn't seem like it. I, I so. Any convention I've ever been to has already been kind of hot and sticky. I can't imagine going in full regalia. It does help with the smell <laughs> of conventions, but it um These it are real facts, help. folks. Convention facts. It doesn't help with the sticky. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of people in a small space. It's uh, it's always a little bit uh, iffy. Mantha says, love Gwent. Our first run, we're like, what is this? A card game in a game. Then we realized what it was like and did some way out of in each town to find people to play. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was making, I think, I think I was playing with my brother in the room. I think he was watching. He was doing his own thing. He was on a laptop or whatever. But he's like, every time I look up, you're you're just playing this stupid card game. Said, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Master Gwent. They have a they have a whole quest line about a Gwent tournament. You gotta get those cards. Then there's a Whereas I played it and I was like, what the heck is this? And then I didn't play Gwent anymore. So. Oh no. Gwent is Gwent is life. Crazy Cat Queen, you know, if y'all organized a law con event, Ian could meet Emily and everyone could meet you all and nerd out legally. Uh, happy face emoji, big brain emoji. Um, yes. Well, as I've constantly said, sovereign independent nation states. Very, very <laughs> tricky to actually organize in anything uh, real, but we will keep it in mind and see what we can do. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that might be a little bit like hurting you know, hurting very damp cats. And I was going to uh, say, what's harder than cats? What can't you, what, what can you specifically not hurt at all? Flies, uh, some kind of insects. Hurting cats with the fire sprinklers going on. Okay. All right. Like, I feel like that's what we'd be talking about. Uh, <laughs> Every single person who offered to play Gwent with me, I played and beat. That's right. Nice. That's how you play the Witcher. And I'm going to be right back. I'm just going to grab oh, sure something to sip on, but I'll be right back. Yeah, right no back worries. Here. We're going to go to headlines about five minutes. Yeah, no, that's exactly 
what I did in Witcher as well. And I don't know if you know this, but they made a Gwent specific role playing game called Thronebreaker, which I highly recommend, folks. If you're into Gwent at all, they've got Super Gwent in a different app. <laughs> Crazy Cat Queen says it's perfect. I heard cats for a living. Man. Yeah, I, I just thinking of the logistics of trying to do that is 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 making my eyes water here at almost eight in the morning. <laughs> uh, but I understand it. I think it would be fun. I just don't want to be in charge of putting it together. Uh, so uh, I think that's probably how we all feel. But we'll see. We, we it it sounds like a cool time. It sounds like a cool time. Secret McSquirrel wants to know: Does anybody want to buy her Batman suit? I don't know. Does it have Joel Joel Schumacher limples? I it's it's unclear just from your description of the specific suit here. <laughs> wait is uh, this a nipple suit that uh the batman yep. suit that they're trying to sell we don't know we don't know if there's a nipple suit out there perhaps shireen says and notes properly legal bites wedding tried to bring together lot and it was only 80 percent effective i couldn't go that weekend i couldn't go when that when the invites went out for her wedding um i had already uh i had already been uh taken out so yeah i know that there's a few of us that couldn't go uh, <laughs> laura says especially with edb jet setting so often I need to find a way to lure her up to Edmonton. Mm. Um, you just bring some housewives there um, and just have a con and Emily will find her way there. Some sort of stack. <laughs> oh God. Too early <laughs> in the morning for any stacking of housewives. Uh, <laughs> oh, Rick with a happy face emoji. Hey, 80% is a pretty good number. It was a pretty good number. Uh, I think. Uh, unless it's the Adam West Batman suit, I'm not interested. Haha, <laughs> says Patrick. That would be fun. That is really, that is full on tights. It's a, the Batman onesie. The Adam uh, West suit is just so ridiculous. Ian, lure her up there with dre all fully dressed chips. Mm. <laughs> you just lead a trail up to, up to your location. Well, you know about all dressed chips. You know what that flavor is, right? Uh, I don't, I know from, uh, from like, the Toronto and Ontario area. Yeah. It's literally just, they took every other flavor that they had and mixed it together and threw it on chips and it was good. Um, so I also describe it as like uh, floor sweepings flavor, <laughs> you know, at the chip plant, they uh, swept the floor and threw it on other chips and <laughs> people it. dig it. People dig it. Uh, all right, folks, it is so much fun to have hangouts and to hear all these happy people and have a fun morning show. But to continue that fun morning show, we've got to do some headlines. It's in the title. So I feel like we should hit those various things. Now, what you're seeing in front of you, you might know it is not a headline. Uh, this is, in fact, a reference to a lawsuit that is from it says decided 2004. It's really arguing facts that happened in 2002. So if you can believe it, the early 2000s are 20 years ago, which still kind of frightens my mind's eye on this. But I wanted to give this setting here, especially for folks that aren't in the United States and aren't otherwise familiar with the NCAA, which is the Collegiate uh, Athletics Association, uh, and what they were doing up until about five minutes ago, because I think that's going to set the framework uh, for what this story is. So if you don't know anything about American college athletics, basically for its entire history up until the five minutes ago period, uh, we said uh, you're not allowed to make basically any money on anything if you want to play sports at your college. 
Uh, and this was important because college sports was very, very popular, and especially for what we call the revenue sports, the sports where people actually attend and make revenue for the schools themselves. That was the way to get to the pro leagues. You want to be an NBA player, you go to college, you play for at least a year, uh, and then you go to the NBA. If you're going to play in football, you play for at least three years because of health safety rules that the NFL has. Uh, and then you go to the NFL. If you want to be seen in those things, you want to make that NFL money, that NBA money, then you're going to go to college for a little while. It's a little bit different for baseball and hockey, but we're going to stick with basketball and football for right now. The issue is, is that the NCAA is only paying you in scholarship money while things like the Final Four basketball tournament are making billions of dollars. And so over <laughs> the course of time... Gee, I wonder who that benefits. Yes, indeed. It benefits the university administrators and everybody on, uh, on down. So because they weren't allowed to pay students, that's why you see like these enormous athletics facilities with three waterfalls and laser walls and things like that as they're trying to entice kids when they couldn't otherwise just pay them money. Now, they still can't pay them money, but the cracks in the facade started really happening on this stuff that we're talking about today from this case in 2004. And so I'll just give you a little bit of the background here. This is about an individual by the name of Jeremy Bloom, who you might still remember from 20 years ago, a nope. high school football and track star was recruited to play football at Colorado University. Before enrolling there, however, he competed in Olympic and professional World Cup skiing events, becoming the World Cup champion in freestyle moguls. Gold medalist, pretty useful for getting your Q score up. During the Olympics, Bloom appeared on MTV and thereafter was offered various paid entertainment opportunities, including a chance to host a show on Nickelodeon. Okay. Hmm. Bloom That's also- no, Bloom also agreed to endorse commercially certain ski equipment, and he contracted to model clothing for Tommy Hilfiger. Bloom, Is that the pronunciation? Uh, how do you pronounce it? I don't know. I thought it was Hilfiger, but I don't know. I will accept any pronunciation for any fashion brands. I, I do not know. This is well outside my wheelhouse. I always apologize for pronouncing basically anything. In oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we just uh, did a thing on, you know, the Lindy Chamberlain thing. And, you know, you're reading court documents and they're all written down, right? So I've got people in my comment section going, that's not how it's pronounced. I'm like, <laughs> I tried my best, guys, but I recognize that I suck at this because it's just text. But well, uh, well, we've got a lot of uh, Runkle is right. I say it like Runkle. I, I will always go with uh, Ian on uh, on fashion pronunciation questions in the future. Uh, I'm but, vaguely aware fashion exists in the same way go. that I'm vaguely aware sports exists. Well, I, I you know I wear hoodies and sweaters, so it's like I don't uh, I don't have any fashion in me at all. Uh, Bloom, so he's got this great life. He's a gold medalist. He can get all these endorsement deals. Uh, he's a popular guy. He's a charismatic young man. Bloom becomes concerned that his endorsements and entertainment activities might interfere with his eligibility to compete in intercollegiate football. Now, remember, the NCAA basically said you can't earn money at anything <laughs> and still play our sports because they just want to make real sure that they're amateurs. And they also want to make real sure that nobody winds up paying anything. If you say that this sounds a lot like a cartel, you're right. Uh, but let's yeah, continue. just a little bit. On Bloom's behalf, Colorado requests waivers of NCAA rules restricting student-athlete endorsement and media activities, and then a favorable interpretation of the NCAA rule restricting media activities. So the NCAA isn't completely insane. 
their bylaws, even at this time, said, well, you can make money off of things that aren't the sport that we're worried about, but we don't like any of this. We don't like endorsement and likeness because we can't separate it out from the sport that we're worried about. The NCAA denies Colorado's requests, and Bloom discontinued his endorsement, modeling, and media activities to play football during the 2002 fall season. However, Bloom instituted this action against the NCAA. He sued their butts for declaratory and injunctive relief, asking for somebody to step in, asserting that his endorsement, modeling, and media activities were necessary to support his professional skiing career, something which the NCAA rules permit. You can be a professional in one sport and an amateur in another sport, but the NCAA hates this endorsement concept. And so ultimately, I don't think I actually highlighted this, ultimately the NCAA would win, Bloom would lose, and this kind of became a fractious situation for a long, long time until earlier this decade, states started saying, well, we see no reason to not allow people to make money off of their name, their image, and their likeness because they were starting to lose cases. The NCAA very recently lost a case, which is covered on this channel uh, called Alston, where it was found essentially that they had the building blocks to have an antitrust claim brought against them. And we'll just shorten it to that. The NCAA gets very, very worried because it's like, you can't just take the price of labor to zero and just say that's that our, our belief system is that labor should be priced at zero. That doesn't work uh, yeah. for the NCAA. So the NCAA got really worried. These states started to pass things that said uh, essentially endorsement deals were okay. We call it name, image, and likeness, but then endorsement deals were okay. And the NCAA in their infinite wit and wisdom spent three years trying to get a rule set together, couldn't do it because they are a terrible organization run by nobodies. And ultimately came out, as we will see, with, well, no rules then. We're just not going to challenge anybody's endorsement deals. Godspeed to everyone. And that leads us to the current environment where basically it's uh, a free-for-all. Even the states that pass laws are kind of rescinding them because they were too restrictive on what they wanted to do. You've got boosters at various schools paying for what they call collectives that just essentially pay salaries to players for their likenesses that they don't really use in any advertising. It's all a complete, uh, well, it's a complete mess. Uh, and the NCAA brought it upon themselves, but it does mean that it is an open market and a kind of wild west that we're not used to seeing in 2022. And it brings out the worry warts, the busybodies, the pearl clutchers, and of course, the New York Times. So, it's a foster uh, clock is what you're saying. I, it is. I, I, that's, a, that's a great way to express it. So on your screen right now is Olivia Dunn, who I think goes by Livy, uh, and she is a gymnast at Louisiana State, earns $1 million annually in endorsements, which is which is pretty good, right? I mean, that's about Ian Runkelbunny. Am I am I right on that? With the beard. Um, no, uh, uh, that's a little <laughs> bit more than Ian Runkelbunny. Just a, a touch. Um, mm. Just like... Just a skosh. Yeah, just, just a wee bit, like most of that. Right. So... <laughs> So the New York Times is taking issue here uh, with this gymnast. As you can see in the headline that we put on our thumbnail, new endorsements for college athletes resurface an old concern. Sex sells. Oh, no. Oh, no. Now, I would argue that we're actually talking about attractiveness, which is what the New York Times winds up talking about more than this. But it's shorthand. And, you know, it's, it's good SEO to have a headline like this. Hey, I use the headline in the thumbnail. So who am I to complain but there's an important bit of this that is the quote right here after this in the uh, kind of caption. That is something I'm proud of. And we'll see that quote again in the article. 
adding that most female athletes will not advance to a pro league after college. In fact, most athletes won't advance to a pro league after college. In fact, the NCAA used to advertise this. Let's look at what the NCAA puts out there in both its commercials and on the walls of its gyms. There are over 400,000 NCAA student athletes, and most of us will go pro in something other than sports. You might be familiar with that phraseology because they run it every single tournament, every single playoffs uh, to let people know that we are really not about exploiting these kids for their labor. We're giving them an education and they're not going to go pro in sports. So look at all the good things we're giving them. Well, Livy Dunn here has turned it on its ear and said, yep, you're absolutely right, NCAA. So I shouldn't be focusing my financial future on this gymnastics thing that I'm doing in well, yeah. Why not make that me. make my millions? Yep. And she is. She's making her millions. But I got no beef with that. But some people don't like how she's doing it. Now, you might also say as we get into this article, well, OK, well, that's not any different. Isn't this just a different kind of ownership or keeping down of ladies? I would say you might be on the right track there. Today's article is not going to be about sex selling as much as it's going to be about agency and recognizing agency in others and allowing for other human beings to make choices that you disagree with. It's going to be a reasonable minds can differ type episode of Hangouts and Headlines. So get excited. And yes, Sarah, I got all of the pictures that you sent me last night. I did. I have a couple picked out that I thought were safe for work in this capacity. I, I see you in chat. We're going to be using them to make your point. So thank you very much for sending them. That was quite the surprise this morning. <laughs> so you just opened your thing and there was just a whole bunch of spicy pictures? Uh, yes, spicy. I mean, fully uh, fully normal uh, mass media market spicy pictures of a particular gender. Uh, and so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about those in just a second. She actually apologized when she sent the message. And I'm only mentioning her now because she, put, she said it in chat. But she's like, sorry for your eyes. It's like, well, we've got some pictures to show. Olivia Dunn is a gymnast on Louisiana State's women's team. She was an All-American in her freshman year. That's pretty darn successful. Made the Southeastern Conference's honor roll as a sophomore majoring in interdisciplinary studies. Now, we can – I don't know what you all majored in. I don't know what classes you took. This, this is the kind of thing that is usually the I don't quite know what I want to major in yet. Um, I was so. going to say, this sounds like a degree that is for people who mostly just want to play sports. Well, there are there's general studies. There's interdisciplinary studies. A lot of uh, a lot of the Michigan Wolverine football players are in communications uh, because they want to be announcers and things like that. Uh, Do they it, also teach like the weaving of baskets and uh, some, the yeah, we have some of cheeses. We have some underwater basket weaving classes. Um, and then some of our some of the athletes really are in you know engineering and and things like that. Uh, but, oh yeah, no, that you know it's yeah, just it's hard. It, it, yeah. It's hard, especially for football. I mean, they're on whatever how many practices they have, uh, but that's part of the discussion, right? If you're gonna if you're gonna give them a scholarship, but you're also gonna ask them to work eighty hours a week, it's, yeah, uh, it's, it's like... something to talk about. Uh, so she's she but but she's an all American in freshman year. That means she's good at gymnastics. Uh, and she's she's good at the classes that she is taking, whether or not that's a real major or not, kind of doesn't matter uh, because she's she's finding success doing something else. I, I mean, <laughs> if she's making two million a year, what the hell does it matter? Right. Well, even if it's going to stop after college, if you can get, you know, two, if you four, can get five, that invested. Right. You're you're set. Yeah. You know, you get like eight million, you know, out of four years of education. 
like that's a pretty good start on life. I think so. I certainly didn't get that. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, I did not get to start with a small loan of uh, a few million dollars or, you know, anything like that. Um, I well, actually, I did get to start with a small loan. It didn't quite get to the millions of dollars, but, uh, you know, it was I owed the money to go to, <laughs> to the law school. So, yes. No, and I think a lot of people get that start, certainly. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure if, if Mr. Runkle could have had uh, an Instagram and a TikTok account that paid out $2 million a year, you probably would have found a way to make it work. I mean, I will make huge money on OnlyFans as soon as they set up the uh, the model where people have to pay to not get the images. I see. I see. Once, once they set up that sort of extortion model, mm -hmm. then I will make big money on OnlyFans because I imagine there would be a lot of people like – would be like i'm paying to not get these anymore yes well <laughs> we'll make sure we go we'll turn the algorithm off for this but uh we need you to give us our eight bucks uh, <laughs> ahead of the start of her junior season dunn is also at the leading edge of a movement shaking the old foundations of college sports a female student athlete raking in cash thanks to the passage in 2021 of new rules i, I we're going to talk about that in just a second Allowing college athletes to sign name, image, and likeness, or NIL deals. So that's what we're working with today. I, I wanted to stop here for just a second because this is giving the NCAA way too much credit. The NCAA <laughs> spent years trying to figure out what the rules could be, couldn't come to an agreement. And this is how the New York Times actually reported on this when it happened. The association, rocked by a Supreme Court decision last week that made it more vulnerable to antitrust cases, opted for a largely hands-off approach and will not mete out punishments for players who earn money off their names, images, and likenesses. This wasn't a rule change as much as it's a, we're out. Nope. We're, go figure it out yourselves, states. Go figure it out yourselves, schools. Uh, good luck to you. It wasn't. So it's, it's like a rules change in the sense of like in high school when they tried to implement a dress code at my high school. And it was like the most minimalist dress code. It was like, you can't wear like I forget which jacket. So everybody broke violated it at once. And they're just like, we are giving up on the dress code because we just can't <laughs> hand out that many detentions. Hey, that's a civil disobedience there at some points. But yes, it's the NCAA. They they had years to do it. The states were waiting for them to do it. And then they just kept having meetings where they said, we can't figure this out. And then finally the state said, well, then we're passing laws and then we'll sue you if you try to do anything. And so they said, we don't want to be sued. All right, forget it. <laughs> Go figure it out, states. So yeah. is that the passage of new rules? Kind of. It's the rescission of the application of existing rules. Anyway, I wanted to point it out. Done 20 won't give specifics on her earnings. Don't. Yeah, don't. Which at least one industry analyst projects will top $2 million over the next year. We don't. So we don't know if that's right. I always tell folks in headlines, we got an analyst guessing. We got anonymous sources. But she does admit that it's at least over a million. Seven figures, she said. That is something I'm proud of. And yeah, you should be. Yeah. Especially I, since I'm I'd a woman be, in college sports. I'd be bragging if I was making seven figures. Yeah. Yeah. There are no professional leagues for most women's sports after college. Uh, what exactly is the financial uh, you know, situation for a gymnast, especially if it's a gymnast that's not going to rise to like the top four girls in the Olympics? If that's not going to yeah. happen, then you got to figure out a way to, to keep the lights on, feed the family and with this much money, you know, buy nice cars. Done. A petite blonde with a bright smile and a gymnast's toned physique. Thank you, New York Times. So Earns the New York Times is getting 
getting in on the objectification here. Oh, you yes, we got stuff in this article, Ian. We're, we're, we're still in the prologue. That's kind of creepy, New York Times. Um, do better. <laughs> How old is Here's she? You shouldn't be creeping on her. That's yeah. Yeah, well, you, you can talk about, uh, you know, this being interesting in of itself. If we break down how this interview happens, chances are they're not asking Livy Dunn to talk to them about what they're going to write as the objectification of women and women setting uh, back other women 70 years, which is what this article is ultimately going to be. Yeah. And so there's already a little bit of dirty pool here because I, I would be willing to bet the invite is you're really successful. Do you care to talk to us about you being really successful at Instagram and TikTok? You say, yeah, cool. <laughs> all all marketing is good marketing and it's not not i mean i i know livy dunn's name now and i didn't before but uh yeah they're gonna they're gonna do her dirty a little bit here now i did see somebody with i think a really good question that uh, is basically saying i skipped ahead a little in the in the material uh and i want to make sure i address that so crazy cat queen says rick can you explain antitrust as it relates to the ncaa i don't understand what that means sure absolutely so the ncaa is a coalition of uh universities right, that they get together to administer their sporting events. Now, at some level, having sporting events means that you can have laws and rules that don't otherwise uh, become allowed for normal competition because we want even playing fields uh, between teams. So there's a little bit of extra spice that you can do there. In the NCAA, though, basically, you've got these hundreds of institutions agreeing together that they won't pay for services, Right. So if you imagine this, pretend it is uh, Walmarts and Kmarts and whatever other kind of large chain superstore grocery store that you have near you. Apple and Google and so forth, deciding that they're not going to hire each other's workers, something well, like that. Sure. And <laughs> more specifically, they're not going to pay them. They just get together and say, you know what, we're going to offer health care benefits or whatever a scholarship equivalent is. But we all agree that we're not going to pay them. And if we all agree then nobody can make uh, money doing this specific kind of job. And that's what the NCAA has done. It said, we all agree that we're not going to pay for labor on this stuff. And they've kind of gotten away with it for the entirety of their existence uh, until now. And so that opened them up to potential antitrust challenges, potential labor law challenges. And the NCAA is, is weak right now. They're on weak footing and there will be more lawsuits. And so what they've tried to do is stem what could be that tide by saying, okay, well, you guys go make some money and we won't stop you because we don't want to change our stripes entirely. Their main argument is that nobody will watch college sports if they're professionals, if they are paid for those jobs, that there is a specific flavor to college sports that would be lost. And I don't necessarily fully disagree, but the Supreme Court basically came out and said, yes, that's fine. Your flavor can't be, we all agree not to pay people. That, I, that can't be the flavor that you found. I mean, that just seems weird. It's like, hey, um, we sell coffee and our particular branding for the coffee is that we violate uh, OHSA regulations. Like, that's kind of how that yes, feels. To me. That's that's our belief system. That's our religion is we violate OHSA, uh, uh, the all of the, uh, the safety stuff yeah, in, in all like, countries. This is, you know, this is the particular quirky kind of thing we do here at, you know, whatever coffee company. That's right. You know, look at all the scalding burns that our employees have. Isn't that quirky? And that's our brand. That's what we like, do. 
Yeah, no, I, I feel like that's a, a bad argument, and they should have been hit with something for making. Well, like they they used it for years. They used it for decades, <clears throat> and they got away with oh. it. So, so it only turned at Alston. Uh, I'm sorry, Crazy Cat Queen. Thanks again for the super chat. What is antitrust? It is essentially the set of laws that say companies, individualized entities, can't get together to undermine competition. Uh, a trust is what the name of a firm, uh, an entity doing something, used to be called. Um, and so you can go back in history and see trust busting. Antitrust is effectively stopping companies from doing things to harm competition is the really, really 30,000 foot view of it. And so in this case, they can look at these schools and say, you are colluding with each other to hurt a separate market, the labor market for athletes. Hopefully that's helpful. Thank you all. You're awesome. Thank you, Crazy Cat Queen. All right. I think we're up to speed on this. We can continue with the New York Times' objectification of this young gymnast. She earns a staggering amount by posting to her 8 million strong internet following on Instagram and TikTok. Folks, that takes work. I don't care what Absolutely. you say. 8 million people <laughs> across your two platforms. You're doing a job of some kind. Um, and I think that gets lost in the wash from a lot of folks because it is a new market. I think you've got old mastheads and old journalists talking about these things. Honestly, you know, we give Taylor and Kat a lot of crap about this stuff for their various outlets at the fundamental level of what this thing is, they are better than their compatriots at these particular, uh, at these particular outlets of, of knowing what social media actually is. New York yeah, Times I mean, writes about this like they're aliens. Running a YouTube channel is like having a second job. And I mean, it's, it's a fun job, but it's still a job. And there's still days you wake up and you're like, I don't want to do this. And, um, you know, crazy. there's still, you know, I'll put out like, hey, this is a, a half hour long video. And it's like, and it took like four hours of researching to get me to that half hour of video. Plus, you know, editing, plus making thumbnails, plus all the, you know, and it's like, it's work. Um, so, and I don't have 8 million strong followers on Instagram and TikTok. Like that's huge work and, and hustle. Yes. Like, you know, I don't have that sort of hustle, so. <laughs> I don't believe that, Ian, but it is a ton of work. And I think that's important to, to note for people because part of the, part of the genre of article here is look at these silly kids with their silly whatever named apps and $2 million, be resentful. Like there's always yeah. that underlying kind of, what is it? Who is Ninja? And why does this blue haired freak make so much money? Who is Olivia Dunn? And why does she make so much money? She's making bad choices and setting women's causes back. It's, there's a certain amount of both intergenerational here. There's a little intergender kind of argument and resentfulness that I don't like. I, envy is envy's a problem, folks. It, this is a, this is an amazing thing that she's doing. Uh, and I, I, she says, I'm proud of it. I, yeah. I mean, that's, 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 that's crazy effective and working within the market that you've got. And I, I saw somebody ask me uh, whether this was written by a man or a woman. This is written by Kurt here, Kurt Streeter. You can see he's a man in a turtleneck. So there you go. Do with that information as you will. I mean, I, as long as we're describing people. Uh, Not on civil law. No. Different Kurt. No, he's um, a, uh, he's a balding man with the toned physique of a New York Times writer. So there you go. Also, <laughs> I don't think on civil wears turtlenecks, so. That's right. Uh, that's right. So, so, so that was asked a question. And somebody else asked me if I was going to cover the Supreme Court decision. Alston, it is covered here. 
I have a video. Uh, so uh, check that out. I actually didn't. Uh, you want to talk about not min-maxing you know, your, your revenue. I'm not Olivia Dunn here. I, I have a video. I didn't bring it up in a tab. So you guys can go check that out. You're looking for Alston or NCAA. Uh, and I, I did cover that on this channel when it happened because that was a big freaking deal uh, when it occurred. Now, she does this. How does she make money? She intersperses sponsored content, modeling American Eagle Outfitters jeans and Vuari activewear. I'm positive I didn't get that right. Alongside videos of her lip syncing popular songs or performing trending dances. Oh. So stuff people do on TikTok. <laughs> I mean, there's a Canadian lawyer who does TikTok stuff and she does a bunch of that. And it's like, yeah, do it up. Like, you know, you got to have your hustle. So, um, yeah, this this makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> well, they're just again, it's 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 kind of adding to that. Look at the ridiculous way that she makes money. Feel feel bad. And I'll yeah. person working the desk job, whatever it is. Well, and it's weird. I actually got confronted by a guy who's a fan of the channel because he was upset that people send super chats. And I'm like, um, yeah, sometimes that's the point. Like, that's why you're doing a live stream. He's like, Well, you should just be doing this because you know you enjoy doing it. And I'm like, Well, we do. Oh, I mean, I enjoy doing it, but you know, I'm a lawyer, right? We, we barely get out of bed for free. So you <laughs> yeah, um, saw our time and we've got a poll up folks that are interested. I do ask the question, should I be doing more lip syncing of songs here or performing trending dances? It's really either way up to you. I'm, I'm really curious. we got to get our followers up to about 8 million. Um, then I can get those American Eagle Outfitters jeans sponsorships and whatever a Viore is. I, I just voted for dances. Sure, sure. Well, they will be chair dances. I mean, I, I, everybody realizes that. I can do that one with the the, the cat, the you know, the, uh, Fortnite dances. We'll get there. We'll get there. How many super chats do we need to put in for you to be able to afford a poll? Oh my goodness. Well, you know, I'd, I'd certainly need a better camera because right now you you, you wouldn't only see like only a few inches of uh, of that poll. Um, but I'm going to get off this before I, I, I <laughs> cause real problems. To Dunn and many other athletes of her generation, being candid and flirty and showing off their bodies in ways that emphasize traditional notions of female beauty. All right, we'll come back to that, New York Times. On so, social media are all empowering. As yes. opposed to what? Like untraditional notions of female beauty like is yeah we're gonna get to into... look like the bog witch or something we're, we're like... gonna we're gonna get into that in, in in just a minute but yes it's you do see this phraseology right there's a, there we talked about resentfulness of just like the, the working person and these kids and what they're doing there's also going to be here in the new york times um a bit of uh resentfulness of the fact uh that uh that she's white that she's young uh, that she is, um, it, oh, what did God. they say? Toned physique of a gymnast. Um, and so there is that as well. And again, you realize New York times, she doesn't get that physique just by waking up in the morning. She gets that by putting in like hours and hours of shitty body destroying work. Right. And they're going to talk about that too. You're going to see some real, you're going to see some real illogic here because they have to address the fact that there are people that go out and do pictures that like the ones that Sarah sent me uh, from that. Sarah, you're sitting, you're hitting all the notes here, Hogue, intergenerational patriarchal pearl clutching agency envy 
authors of former college tennis star too, are they? Hmm. That's uh, that's interesting. We got it. <laughs> I'm guessing he didn't have the hustle to earn two million dollars a year. We got it. We got an RBG descent mug from that. <laughs> that's a good. It's a good profile image, and I like the music notes emoji. Yeah, we're gonna talk about all of that. Agency is the number one thing here for me because this is a person deciding what they want to do, and like top of line. Before you write an article like this, you have to think should that person be allowed to do what they want to do? And the answer is almost always going to be yes, outside of like criminal law. And this is going to be yeah. very dis, uh, I don't know what the right word is. Removal of agency is what I'm trying to get at from this Disempowering. article. Disempowering is a great one. Here's a poll contribution from the Heathers. You really don't <laughs> want this content, folks. You don't. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and, and you see that this paragraph is actually designed around one of the common discussion points here which is that with that agency, women, young, old, otherwise, are often saying that they find it empowering to essentially self-select what they want to show and what they don't want to show. And you don't actually have great evidence in this article about over-the-top photos, right? Being candid and flirty uh, is something that is very effective in all walks of life and across gender lines, uh, too. So it's... It's somebody that's marketing themselves. They're in sales, and what they're selling is their account. Uh, yep. Strike me as terribly offensive so far. Let's see what else we got in this article. Or, as Dunn says, it's just about showing as much or as little as you want, says of her online persona. You see, very, very, uh, very objectifying here, very mean-spirited. I don't – she's sitting on, a, on an LSU mat. I don't know. What's funny about these is that you have to wonder whether she gets LSU's permission to use, like, the really strong trademark stuff. Curious. Mm. They're not going to want to ever fight their athletes on that, believe you me. Yeah, no, I, I feel like that's uh, that suing her over that is a losing game. Yeah. Oh, we got we got Papa Hogan here, always coming in with fire. <laughs> hey, Dad, what a bunch of crap. Okay, all right. Selling newspapers by printing pictures and then criticizing the athletes, rubbish. Earn money any way you can. <laughs> if it's, you know, whatever happened to freedom of expression? Well, freedom of expression is a thing. The New York Times can clutch its pearls and say, my word, at these particular expressions. They aren't like trying to get her thrown in jail, but we can criticize that as well. Thank you but for the chat, Dad. It is worth asking, like, has the New York Times ever put on the cover of their, you know, like pictures of female athletes that might be considered, you know, attractive? <gasps> my word. I, I and, this, you know. Like, I'm guessing that they have done that and that they've done so specifically for the purpose of, you know, knowing that some people would buy buy it just to, uh, you know, check that out. So I think attractiveness by definition is attractive. That's that's I, that's kind of what it means. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the athlete compensation and endorsement rules have been a game changer for collegiate women, particularly those who compete in what are known as non-revenue sports, such as gymnastics. This sentence makes no sense to me because, and I'm sorry about this, uh, ladies, there are no women's sports that are revenue sports. Uh, the revenue sports are basketball and football, and then sometimes in given schools and circumstances, baseball or hockey. So they're not, none of the women's sports are making revenue for the schools. So it's not a particularly those. That's that's just how it is. Um, and that we can... We can shout at the clouds and be angry that more people don't want to watch whatever gymnastics competitions. That's fine. But in terms of logic in these paragraphs, uh, there, there isn't no particularly those. This, this is complete nonsense. 
all of the collegiate women that are doing this are non-revenue sports. So we just have to point out the logic when we get there. Sure, male football players are doing all right, aren't they? Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. And have garnered about half of the overall compensation estimated to be worth at least $500 million. That's low, folks. Where I don't know where you're doing your research, New York Times, that's low. Fueled by collectives formed by wealthy supporters who pay male athletes for everything from jersey sales to public appearances. Now, when this was all going down, as you could tell from the Bloom lawsuit, as you could tell from some of the stuff I also highlighted from the NCAA, this was all about college football. Almost all the money in college sports comes from college football and comes from March Madness, which is the March-April basketball tournament, which is awesome. I highly recommend it. I love March Madness to death, but that's where almost all of the NCAA's money comes from. And so the notion was that most of it would go to football players, and indeed it has, and often in a way that is designed to try to get football players to go to your school. So we're back to boosting and all that good stuff. But Nurse Liz throwing some fire in the chat. Is she? She is. Oh, no. What is what is Nurse Liz saying to me? Hi, Nurse Liz, by the way. Check out Nurse Liz's channel in the chat, throwing fire. Today we learned Hogue does not think pole dancing is a sport. Very revenue generating. See, I, knew, <laughs> I knew this was going to be tricky this morning with y'all. Uh, yes, Nurse Liz, I will acknowledge that pole dancing is revenue generating, but I have to point out that pole dancing is not recognized as an NCAA sport. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe maybe we could seek to have that changed. Uh, but as of right now, it is not revenue generating for the universities. When we say non-revenue, it's not for the people, it's for the schools. Fair enough. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Okay. Uh, so male football players basically making a lot of it. But what was maybe a little bit unexpected and shouldn't have been is that the ladies are doing all right. Women are more than holding their own as earners, thanks largely to leveraging their social media popularity. If you're marketing and endorsements, you're leveraging whatever popularity you have. Along yeah. with Dunn, other female student athletes have been minted millionaires by the NIL rules, including Haley and Hannah Cavender, twins who play college basketball in Miami, Sunisa Lee, the Auburn gymnast and Olympic gold medalist at the Tokyo Games, and Paige Buckers and AZ Fudd, basketball stars at Connecticut. Probably AZ. I apologize to any of you that are listening to this video for butchering your names. Uh, and one thing that you should note in this paragraph is that a lot of these are ladies that are successful in their sport. Because one of the arguments is going to be that it doesn't take success in your sport to get this money. And there's a resentfulness there uh, about what's happening. And this, you know, Olympic gold medalists. Yeah. All right. Why did Jeremy Bloom get those endorsements? He won the Olympics. That's going to happen when you win the Olympics. And then the question becomes at this level, should these kids or young adults or whatever you want to frame that as, should they be allowed to earn money and still participate in a sport at their university? I think the answer to that is a clear yes. So what are we talking about? But, oh, here we go. The New York Times, they're upset. Get your fainting couches ready, everyone. The new flood of money and the way many female athletes are attaining it troubles some who have fought for equitable treatment in women's sports and say that it rewards traditional feminine desirability over athletic excellence. Did, did the list you just, did the Olympic gold medalists and actual successful I, I didn't see an Olympic gold medalist on that list. That and Olivia Dunn's like, an All-American. What? What are we talking about? Yeah, it. I mean, but here's the other thing. Who gives a damn? Like, <laughs> let people make their money. Like, I don't care if, they have no athletic skill and they're making their money on OnlyFans. 
Oh, you know, or doing, you know, more conventional sex work, like let people decide what to do with their own bodies and make money. Um, like, well, I mean, and this, this is whole thing of we want to control people and stuff is just like, go away. Yeah. Well, and, and this is the times, right? This is, a, this is an interesting take on what is essentially a freedom and agency kind of concept. While the female athletes I spoke to said they were consciously deciding whether to play up or down their sexuality, some observers say the market is dictating that choice. And here I want, I like that you're here, Ian, right? Because we are, we are in the social media business. We are, we are streamers and video makers and content creators. And while the market might lean one way or another, does it dictate our choices, Ian? I mean, it does to a certain extent in okay, the sense that it, I, I might think it would be funny to make a video that's just like a half an hour of me making animal noises. But I don't think people are going to watch that, right? People watch for my legal commentary. So you're going to get chat know, telling you that you should do animal noises now. You know this. Yes. Right? And chat is going to be lying because, <laughs> chat, you know, chat is full of mischief. They are. Full uh, of mischief. But like, you know, so there are some, you know, some elements of like, hey, I will lean towards doing legal commentary instead of, you know, ape noises because I don't think ape noises are going to make money. Those but, are for shorts. You can do a different I mean, animal for each short. I could totally, you know, I could make those videos if I felt like it. They would just absolutely fail. Um, except that I see people in the chat who are definitely doing what you said they would, which is oh, of saying, do the animal noises. Straight. We know but, chat. But like, you know, the this is really dumb because at the end of the day, you know, everybody is marketing all aspects that they can. I mean, if I was a, a more handsome guy, maybe I'd be leaning in different directions with my channel. Uh, but the, the Jeff Goldblum, you'd just be laying down on a on a on a comforter. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Ian Runkle of the Bailey. But I mean, you know, it's not like we don't have singers, for instance, who might be incredibly talented singers who are also like, yeah, I'm going to pose in something that is revealing because, of course, people market whatever they think they, you know, it's like. I don't I, even know if I Adam Levine owns a shirt that buttons. I mean, I just don't. <laughs> I think he actually has them custom tailored to not button. There you go. We need, we need it perfectly tailored to just make it exactly as uh, sexy as I want it to He's be. He's like, I need you to sew up two buttonholes on this shirt. <laughs> there you go. I don't want to make any mistakes. Uh, and so. Chrissy asks a good question. Doesn't Sports Illustrated do a naked issue? Oh, well, we're going to talk about it. Thanks to that, Sarah. <laughs> we're we're yeah. going to talk about all sorts of stuff there. But we've got a place in the article that we're going to do that. Uh, so, yeah, it's... Um, it's, I think I, the comment that says it's stodgy, it's controlling, all these things are true. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. so when, what, but when the markets is dictating, to me, I always sit back and say this, like, I know the various ways that I could pop this channel doing things that I wouldn't feel comfortable with, uh, whether that's outrage bait or drama or big red arrows or uh, whatever it might be. I, oh, yeah. I, I know I mean... there are ways to lean into that. I know when we were covering Depp Be Heard, you could have done really anti uh, uh videos and that were, they were clearly popping across the internet and i'm like i'm not going to be that guy we'll, we'll go slow and steady we're going to do the analysis that we do but i think i think 
if your experience is anything like mine, Ian, you can see sometimes the, the pathways you can go, what the market is dictating and say, nah. <laughs> well, and I mean, yeah, there were times when I knew I had, like, I could watch my Twitter followers drop every time I'd be like, I thought Rottenborn did a good argument there. Yep. And, like, people would just be pissed. Yeah. And, you know, like, I could be doing a live stream and be like, I actually thought Rottenborn made some headway at this point. And I could watch my, like, the view count drop. Like, it's like, okay, I 500 people just, you know, clicked, stop <laughs> watching. Um, and, you know, I'd get people saying things like, well, I was going to super chat, but then you said, you know, that, you know, and I'm just like, but he did though. Like this was, this was a better argument. And there were points where I was like, if they just let Rottenborn go and didn't have a lane messing everything up they might have been able to cobble together a winning argument out of this it's just that elaine was making amber's arguments and rottenborn i think was kind of given the freedom to uh you know to argue actual law yeah. so um i said i thought there was a pathway for her to win uh you know based on her beliefs and things like that uh, but they didn't yeah. go that way they didn't go that way. And that but, Sarah is spitting fire, Ian. Whole article but, is put some clothes on and be glad we're giving you any sports. Yeah. We'll take away Title IX in a heartbeat so you better be grateful, good girls. Damn. Yeah, I'm just like... <laughs> I don't think you're wrong. But, you know, you make choices, right? Yeah. And, you know... I mean, heck, there probably would have been money to be made if I was like, hey, I am the lawyer who is super pro herd. Um, nobody that I know took that as a, you know, as a strategy, but I'm sure there would have been somebody out there. Uh, if you were the person that all the herdites were flocking to, there probably would have been money in that. Sure. Um, but, you know, it's like, but I don't think that's the way the case was going, right? It's uh, so... Yeah, it's just <laughs> I don't I, I think you nailed it. And I that, that's all I wanted to point out there is that this this is the this is the kind of line that is throughout this article. It's seated in this article that is reductive of agency. Right. Yeah. The market is dictating that choice. The market can incentivize things. We all make choices in our entire lives about what we were, are going to do, what we're willing to do, what is paying better, what is not. And we're all making choices to potentially not go for what is the absolute maximizing force uh, if that is not something that we want to do. And and this, well, Libby, Libby Dunn and these other ladies are making the choice about what it is that they want to do or not. There's nobody I mean, else talking to them on this. Every job has this. If you're working at McDonald's and your boss says, hey, I want you to clean out the fryer. Uh, there's old grease in there. I want you to clean that. And you're like, what you probably want at that moment is to tell your boss that he can scrape out the old fryer grease and use it uh, himself. Um, that's probably your feeling about that. But what you probably say is, yes, sir, I'll get right on that because you enjoy being employed. And, you know, there is no job that doesn't have some element of you are dictated by what's out there, right? Um you know, you can't just like, you know, even like the whole 
like YouTube thing, I can't just be like, hey, folks, um, I'm going to put on white noise for the next 60 minutes. Please send me some super chats. <laughs> like, it doesn't work that way. Uh, you know, so. I want you to run these experiments. <laughs> I feel like the A-B testing of I am doing a show versus there is just white noise is. Uh, this is a, you just, you label it a social experiment. And you say, I'm testing a theory. Uh, and you put white noise up and says, and you call it super chat collection stream. <laughs> you see what happens. Yeah, I feel like that would not, you know, go well. No, I don't so, think it would. And, and I know you're like me. We like to add value to the conversation. Uh, it, it, it's it's one of our rules, I think. Uh, well, Nancy I, Nancy I says, like doing legal education. So, yeah. Well, and you yeah, follow the same rule. I actually saw you in Twitter uh, either, either this morning or, or last night saying exactly what I think, which is you were talking about like membership tiers and saying it's difficult. And you were saying it for exactly the same reason it's difficult for me, which is I don't want to lock down any value educational material behind a paywall. Yeah. Like that is my yeah. first rule. If you look at everything that I do with my tiers or otherwise, it's like if there's going to be education, if there's going to be information about these things, it's not going behind a paywall, which means yeah. you got to you got to figure these things out. <laughs> well, I mean, especially for the Canadian market, there's so little, I mean, just in terms of the economics first, um, Canadian eyeballs, YouTube ranks them at like half the value of American eyeballs. Um, and I mean the, uh, so, you know, in terms of the ad revenue, you get hammered on that, but there's just not many people talking about Canadian legal content. Right. And if you're a Canadian and you want to learn how our law works, um, your options are basically go to law school. And I think that sucks. I think that, you know, people should have the ability to learn some of this stuff. So um, I don't know what to, uh, you know, how to navigate that. But I really don't want to lock down, um, like, lock down this legal education. I think that should be open to everybody. I think that's one of the, the really good things that my channel does. Mm -hmm. And um, so... Yeah, I've, I haven't figured that out because uh, I, I do think that there needs to be something to sort of because my goal and this might be a, um, you know, this might be kind of a naive goal, but my goal is to make money on YouTube and then do law entirely pro bono um, and just, um, you know, just help people for no money. And that's sort of the goal is because there's lots of people out there who need a lawyer and, you know, especially in criminal law and fall into a gap between like they get coverage versus, um, you know, versus they can't afford a lawyer. And I would love to be there to be like, I'm just going to help people for nothing. But it's um, it's it's tough. I'm I'm bad at the hustle. And I've got principles that make it worse at the hustle. Right. Well, that's what I mean. But that's exactly what I mean by that phrase, which is like, we we know there are certain things you could do. You could lock certain things up. You could focus on oh, certain yeah. content. Absolutely. So I, I do want to press on with the article. I do want Nancy Rush with a super chat. Well, there's pandering and then there's playing to your strengths. By the way, you're both attractive men. Thank you, Nancy. And your personalities make you more so. Appreciate it. 
Apologies. Uh, sorry to, to hear about your eyesight, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, well, th but you're absolutely right, right? You can tell where pandering lives. You can tell where some more money is. And and look, you can criticize yeah. people. You see, I'm not, I'm not I'm not here to tell you that there aren't players and grifters in our side of the world, certainly on Instagram and TikTok. But you can't just say this is an attractive young lady. We need to cut her down. That, yeah. that can't be your thesis. <laughs> how well, dare she succeed yeah you know? it, yeah right like, right like, sure half the money's going to football players but what are the what is this what is the rest of this well and the other thing is there's lots of attractive people out there tons of attractive people out there who are trying to make a you know trying to make a go of it on social media and trying to make an income and i'm guessing that there's also lots of like there's these athletes who are pulling in two million. I'm gonna bet that there's also attractive female athletes who are on Instagram and on TikTok and on YouTube earning, you know, diddly, and you know, going like, why? Because it's hard, right? It's tough, and just it's hard out there for a content creator. Yeah. And when this article just reduces it down to like, well, they got breasts, I'm like, that's really obnoxious, New York Times writer. Like, I'm sorry, you don't understand how much work they're putting into it, how much, you know, curation and difficulty goes into this. How dare you just be like, oh, yeah, well, it's just because she's pretty. Screw you. Like, no, it's not. And um, we haven't even gotten into the second half of the article yet, Ian. Buckle oh. up. Nancy Rush, erg, woman being judged yet again. I'm too old for this. We should be beyond this rank disparity. F this noise. I agree, Nancy. Absolutely. That Sarah says, if social media and NIL existed when I was in college, my spicy women's rugby team would be doing the same thing and probably uh, with more delectable fruits of all types, to be honest. Peaches and lemons, it looks like. I, I, I hear you. <laughs> I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that's peaches and melons. Oh, and melons. Yes, yeah. there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Delectable fruits. Yes, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh Leanne makes a great point. Pretty is work. These, yeah. these are not these are not roll out of bed type photos. Yeah, no, I'm I'm <laughs> guessing that there's a little bit of effort put into that. All right. Andrea Gurin, a researcher of sports business at I'm sorry, British chat members. Uh, Loughborough, maybe pretty close university in England studied female athletes trying to make the Rio Olympics in 2016. Many of them, American collegians. One of the big themes that came out is the pressure that they felt to post suggestive or sexy photos of themselves on social media. Now this is somewhat passive voice. Where from themselves? Others? Also Possibly from like the New York Times because the, the, yeah to get to I, make the team the Olympics well, like, committee what are we talking about somebody in the chat um, made a made the point of they had that picture of her on that mat they could have easily said hey you know what uh, could we get a picture of you in a parka well yeah but, I mean, like look, look 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 they didn't this isn't even just a a blank headline New York Times it's like all right this is this yeah. is quite. This is quite the article about we, we, we too much objectifying. This is unacceptable. Check out our piece in the New York Times. Yeah, check out this picture, and it's like, all right, you you guys didn't pick the Parker picture. No, no Parkas. So, yeah, 
no parkas. Um, and yeah, so you've, you've got this. I would love to know exactly the, like the nature of this. We could look that up, but there are times you can give us a little bit of extra color on this stuff. She noted that some of the athletes had decided that making public such imagery wasn't worth it. Okay, so not dictating uh, yep. this. While others like had, were making choices. While others had found it was one of the primary ways to increase their online popularity and earning power. This this paragraph is fantastic. It's very true. But if, if this is the case, uh, that's different people making different decisions. And what do we say here? Reasonable minds can differ about what they do. And it sounds like agency to me, folks. Yep. Scroll through the social media posts from female college athletes across the United States, and you will find that a significant through line on many of the women's accounts is the well-trod and well-proven notion that sexiness sells. Again, we I really do think we should distinguish between attractiveness and sexiness, but it's fine. Posts and, catering, you know, yeah. male athletes never post pictures of them shirtless or, you know, whatever else. That never happens. No, it doesn't. It it's all parka shots. It's all parka shots. It really is. I don't. What I don't know what we're talking about. This is, by the yeah. way, this is, this is what Sarah sent me. I, I picked the two that I felt were the most uh, showable uh, to y'all. Uh, and uh, yes, so the the point Sarah is making is that this is this is this is how business gets done, as Michael Scott might say about the chilies. Uh, and so, yeah, indeed, indeed, you are right, sir. Now. Posts catering to traditional ideals about what makes women appealing to men do well, and the market backs that up. This is kind of weird. This is a weird sentence because they're using the traditional ideals. They're trying to get into that place in discussing these kinds of topics that it's like, well, it's just tradition that leads to this level of attractiveness, and we need to be open to more other things. And, and that's a, a perfectly fine thing to try to espouse. Maybe not in the same sentence where you're saying the market backs that up. Because that's suggesting yeah. that it's not traditional, it's it's actual attractiveness. Uh, that the, the the group of people that are otherwise invested in these things are backing that up. Now, I also don't think that it makes it a dictate that you go out and do these things. You can make choices, but that's not how the New York Times sees things. Stanford's Tara Van Derver, the uh, Vanderveer, I think almost certainly not Van Derver, but there you go. The most <laughs> successful <with> Van Derver. <laughs> Van, Van Derver, the most successful coach in women's college basketball, sees the part of the NIL revolution that focuses on beauty as regressive for female athletes. Should they not be allowed to make money? I, 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 what is the alternative on this exactly? How is it regressive that Ms. Dunn gets to decide exactly how she makes her fortune? I don't know. Well, and Sarah Smile has an excellent point in the chat saying okay. the girl is posing in her school assigned gymnastic leotard. Why doesn't he criticize the school instead of the girl then if he has such a problem? Um, the other thing that makes me think about that is I'm betting that the school has been known to put butts in chairs and sell tickets to things partially on the basis of the outfits they put, say, the cheerleading team in. Um, you know, do they think that they're never marketing that like that the schools aren't? No, I certainly cheerleaders or song girls or whatever your school might call these uh, particular individuals uh, are often placed in specifically provocative positions. And certainly I think that's been a topic of consternation from folks like this at the New York Times. So maybe they're just moving on to the next kind of topic. Uh, people are thanking Sarah for sending me these pictures in my inbox. <laughs> Man, she sent like 20, folks. 
Uh, and those were the two that I thought, yeah, okay, I could put those on the channel. <laughs> People I mean, the thing is, is that I'm sure that some of them were a lot more, uh, yeah, a, a lot spicier. Well, yeah, they got they got they got a few more. Sarah's already said you forgot Ryan Lochte and the Rugby Boys without their pants. Yep, thank you for sending those to me, that Sarah. Appreciate it. <laughs> Appreciate it. Like I said, it was a fun surprise in the morning, most definitely. Um, but the point is absolutely valid, right? This is this is how things work. You go try to make people pay attention to you and magazines and the New York times and everyone else have, have dealt with that. And they real, the real thing that seems offensive to them here is that it's not going through them. It's not selling a paper at the New York times. It's not selling a sports illustrated issue. It's not selling whatever ESPN, the magazine wants to put out there. It's going directly to the individual in question. And I have difficulty seeing how that's not an improvement to not go through a media company or a gatekeeper or a skeezy agent or whatever to get to yeah. decide for yourself when you're going to take those photos and make $2 million off of them. How is that not better? What is, what is your alternative to all this? Now, Ms. Vanderver or Ms. Vanderveer, we really can't tell. Who knows? Says, I guess sometimes we have this swinging pendulum where we maybe take two steps forward and, and then we take a step back. We're fighting for all the opportunities to compete, to play, to have resources, to have facilities, to have coaches and all the things that go with Olympic caliber athletes. And this is a step back. That's the whole quote that the New York Times has is just, how dare they? How is it a step back? They like, don't want to see attractive young ladies making money on their attractiveness. And it should only be on their Olympics. But again, like I said, it's she's an all-American. Like if you're if this is the example you wanted to use, then it's a poor one. Because you're looking for somebody that's just pretty and has absolutely no success. And while I still don't think that makes the point, it's maybe a stronger point than what you actually put out there. Listen, you know, female athletes can only market themselves if they're wearing, you know, a paper bag and a burlap sack so that nobody can possibly, you know, like, come on. Yeah, yeah, and and like this is this is really the, the nature of the beast here. With as what Haley Mouse says, you've answered what this is really about. It's about the traditional media losing money and significance. Yeah, you're going direct to the source now. We're cutting out the middleman, right? Yeah. Leanne says big companies spend a long time undercutting small business. They're not okay with losing ground, right? Well, these are individuals. These aren't even these people. Don't even have to be incorporated. They don't have to do anything. It's it, they're going to go out there. They're going to control their message and their brand, and they're going to do it. They're going to do it well. And you know they don't need somebody to say yes you're not pretty enough, or yes, we're not going to put you in our paper. You go find it yourself. And I just don't see how that is an improvement. Now, the New York Times has a few other problems. Race cannot be ignored as part of the dynamic. They say a majority of the most successful female moneymakers are white. Sexual orientation can't be ignored either. A few of the top earners openly identify as gay and many post-suggestive images of themselves that seem to cater to the male gaze. Now, I'm not precisely clear whether or not these photos that Sarah sent to me cater to the male gaze, although I suspect they might uh, to some specific orientations, but I, I think they get around to various gazes of different types. Now, I do think it is worth noting that the market is um, is math, right? So it's going to cater to majorities, uh, and that is upsetting to some folks. But when you're talking about marketing yourself and having that agency, I do think it's okay to say, yeah, I, the stuff that hits the majority uh, works the best. Do I think that that should be driving, you know, political decision making and things like that? Laws? No. But we're talking about pictures on Instagram and TikTok. So I'm not positive this is as useful an analysis as the New York Times seems to think it is. 
and I mean, how would you change that? It's like, oh, some people are more popular than others, and we don't like the bases on which that happens. Yes. So it's a shouting at the clouds thing, right? It's like the yeah. market is not as fair as we would like it. Okay. Okay. Like that's a that's a hard problem. I agree. But. I wish I, I wish eight million followers and two million dollars followed, uh, you know, beheaded uh, older legal analysts in Michigan. But you know, and like, we'll get there. <laughs> Witcher light looking people with sort of ratty beards. That's uh, that's right. It's the Ian and Rick Instagram TikTok video series where Ian yeah. and Rick explore what objectifying they can do. Come join us. It'll be fun. And it'll only cost you $2 million a year. That's right. It's just one. It's just one <laughs> really rich follower. <laughs> Nancy Rush. Oh, my God. I have to go bandage my head from banging against the wall. <laughs> By the way, 2020 vision. Thank you, Nancy. Uh, appreciate it. It's it's an article. It's The reason I'm splitting it up so much is that it can get very aggravating. I was aggravated reading this on behalf of these young ladies. Uh, and so I'm splitting it up a little bit because otherwise it kind of builds other than the massive internet audiences, none of this is entirely new. The tension among body image, femininity, and the drive to be taken seriously as athletes has been part of the deal for female athletes for generations. So again, this comes back to other people disagree with what this person is doing, and they feel that like it negates their experience or what they want to have happen, and so we're going to write a New York Times article about it. I have no problem with people disagreeing with other people. Reasonable minds can differ, has differ in it, includes difference, but it's and, not... You know your life. Male athletes never do underwear ads. I can't, I'm not going into that Twitter thread that Sarah sent me. So we're, <laughs> we're just sticking with the two photos. So they talk about 70 years ago when a tennis player grew famous for lacy underwear and body hugging outfits. We're going into the nineties where Katarina Witt was a playboy cover model. Think of the sports illustrated swimsuit edition or ESPN, the magazine's body issue in which artful photos of nude athletes have hooked a mostly male audience for years. Like I said, I'm not sure this isn't for males, but we're kind of undercutting your previous paragraph, okay? Let's just let's just say that. Let's just say that. But those depictions also continue to draw female athletes who see such shoots as a chance to promote body positivity, to feel boldly confident about the physiques they've honed through hard work, or to challenge norms about femininity. This is an amazing sentence, right? Because not only is this mind reading, they're trying to ascribe specific motivations to females that might otherwise participate in things like the swimsuit edition or the body issue. But they are implicitly stating here in terms of rhetoric that it's okay as long as you're challenging norms about femininity. Yeah. Is there a particular reason why, Mr. New York Times author, you can't celebrate femininity or norms about femininity? And who are you to tell them which way to go on this? I'm not going to tell them. You want to challenge norms about femininity? Fantastic. You want to feel boldly confident about the physiques you've earned? Sure as heck, I haven't earned those. Go be boldly confident about that. I have a physique that is a streamer's and lawyer's sitting on his butt doing law physique uh, now for two decades. That is the physique I have. It is in somewhat, you know, boldly confident because that's just how I roll through life. But otherwise, who are you to say what these people are thinking and that it's only okay if these women are doing it to challenge norms. That's crazy talk to me. That is stealing of that agency. And that's the kind of thing that bothers me. It really legitimately does. As a father of two daughters, let ladies have agency for Pete's sake. Oh, we're fine with agency. Just so long as they do exactly the things that we think are okay, which 
out of a sense of progressivism will also just happen to be exactly the same thing the prudes will say. Like there is, there is a weird notion of a kind of lining up of the pearl clutching between like what I would consider the, I don't know, 1990s kind of conservative prudism uh, and, and what you see sometimes now. And I, either way, I just don't think it's, I don't think it's okay to sit there on high and, and say, you know, this is unacceptable when they're not even really claiming. I know, Ian, you said you would go so far as do OnlyFans and those kinds of things. And that's fine. It's kind of a different conversation. But they're not even claiming that far here. This is yeah, no, it's photos just, on Instagram. Too suggestive because she's in, like, a gymnast outfit. Yeah, I mean, like, it sounds like the author's working through something. I mean, in all honesty. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> like, gymnasts going to wear gymnast outfits. That's yep. kind of a thing, right? That is... You know, it's like, oh, why are all these lawyers wearing suits? Um, <laughs> I'm not. I, I love they, big they make us. that reason. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I, I've not often worn it. I was gonna say I've never. I'm pretty sure that I've worn a suit at least once on a stream, but I try to avoid it. Yep. But like, you know, if you get pictures of me, hell, if you watch my Supreme Court appearance, I'm there in the stupid you know robes that they make you wear robes um, it's good you know that's not because i think those robes are like an excellent fashion statement it's because they make <laughs> me wear them well i thought yeah, as you said i thought the point about those being the official school issued outfits is like that's true uh so that that's it that's a good point uh nick just coming in sees the poll says first thought your honor i will do my closing argument in the theme of interpretive dance <laughs> It's right. It reminds me of the Netflix show, The OA. Go watch the season one of The OA and see interpretive dance used in a way that you never would expect. Um, that, is a, that is a fun one. Now, they do have what I would offer in terms of rhetoric in this article. This is the proper way to do things. Haley Jones, an All-American guard at Stanford and a candidate for the Player of the Year Award, said she didn't want to play up sex appeal. Her endorsement income is driven by a social media image that portrays her as a lighthearted student athlete without an overtly provocative tone. Now, outside of the fact, that we are taking the New York Times author's uh, essentially interpretation of these photos uh, on its face, which we have to do, right? He's just saying, oh, no, nothing's overly suggestive over here. And uh, Olivia Dunn is, is overly suggestive. So that's already kind of subjective. Unfortunately, because uh, these are on the archive, we don't we don't get these photos. So I'm sorry. It's, just, you know, steers away from posting revealing photos. We do learn here that I don't post bikini pictures, not because I don't want to show my body, it's because that's not the type uh, topic type of content that I want to post if my audience isn't looking at it uh, for that for me. Great. Cool. Find your brand. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like she's made a brand that, you know, that works for her, right? Now, Joan, and, yeah. I mean, look at the women of LawTube. Nobody is out there posting bikini shots because that's nobody's brand, Right. It's like, and that's choices people have made. I wouldn't be sitting here judging if people did, but that's not people's brand, you know, and it just isn't how that goes. So, like, she's she's able to make the choice that they specifically have as their thesis that she can't make because, you know, it's dictated by the market. Uh, right, except that, you know, Again, that that whole dictated by the market and they're being forced into this and this isn't okay and everything else is, is undermined by you can go a different direction. And maybe you yeah. don't maximize your endorsement. 
Now, it is worthwhile to note, since they included the paragraphs about race and orientation, Jones is among the few black female collegia, collegiate athletes considered to be a top endorsement earner, has learned to quickly deconstruct the pros and cons of the new era of commercialization. She has endorsements with Nike, Beats by Dre, SoFi, and Uncle Funky's daughter, a hair care product for women with curly hair, among other companies. Rishi Dowlett, her agent, said Jones had made over six figures since the NIL legislation passed, but declined to give a specific figure. That's good work. I haven't Jones. made six figures, um, <laughs> you know, through my YouTube channel, so. Oh, no, the fourth anniversary of this channel will happen uh, in a couple of weeks. I can tell you right now, I do not have six figures from YouTube. Yeah, so um, <laughs> good for her, right? Absolutely. Like, Don't be resentful. Celebrate success. Jones was quick to note female athletes can choose not to participate in social media and lose out on the biggest profits. Or they can take part, make money, focus on the support of fans, and hold their breath with a sort of resignation about the swath of online reactions, often leering and sexualized comments on their social media platforms that show how much they are objectified. Now, this I will say, right? I do not have the female experience in content creation. And I can tell you from being uh, you know, on Emily's channel, on Alita's channel, working with some of you, that it does appear to me that chat, especially anonymous chat or others, uh, get a little bit more spicy, a little bit more aggressive. On the other hand, I've also been on streams with Rob. And you all are constant with Rob. <laughs> to be so, fair, Rob was the first on Blotube to post feet pics. Uh, well, Rob's got feet pics. Rob is breaking beds. Rob named himself after Wood. I mean, look, we talked to him about this as it was happening. But but I, I do want to at least uh, observe that especially when I was on Depth Heard and I was on with Alita, you know, whatever, 15 hours a day for six weeks, uh, that she gets stuff that I've, I've never seen. Uh, and it's like, oh. <laughs> so I, I do think there is some truth to that, that the experience on the internet, especially with anonymous users, can be worse for women. Um, I, I don't want to discount that uh, in this space. But it's, I, also I don't get like the thirst comments. Um, yeah. I get an above average number of death threats. Hmm. Um, so like including talking to other people in law tube, I get more death threats than you would expect. Um, like a lot of them. So I'm like, uh, yeah, I mean that part of the, the deal with the whole, like being online and so forth is you're going to get, you're going to have interactions with the crappy parts of the internet and yeah. you know, just about anybody can get on the internet, even if you are, you know, literally living in a cardboard box. You can walk into a library, get on a computer, and send crappy messages to people who are putting themselves out there online. So, um, honestly, I think that's the big negative to this space. I, people, people joke with me, right, or otherwise, you know, try to uh, negate me or otherwise yeah, you're looking for clout. You're looking for fame. I, I, my joke is that like, I like to do this. I really like to do this. I like to have these conversations. I like to have information, education, hopefully put out there. Man, if I could do it without like all that extra kind of crap, I would do it in a heartbeat. I would do it in a heartbeat. I, I don't, that is not what I've ever been looking for out of this, but it's part and parcel to the thing, because as you say, you want to, you want to do this and then do pro bono work. It's like, I, I also, as a lawyer, you know, I'm, I'm keeping the lights on, feeding the family and, and wanting to make sure that this is at least something that isn't insane to spend my time on. And you guys in chat and all these wonderful like super chats are helping make that happen. And I'm so, so appreciative of that. Uh, 
but there's a lot of crap that comes with it. And I, look, I yeah. don't need to tell this chat that for the last, you know, six weeks. There's everybody's seen, you know, uh, people making money on Hogue videos in the in the title. It's like, all right, cool, cool, cool. Uh, and and people like to immediately attack um, like looks or whatnot. Now that's never going to bother me <laughs> ever. So I always think that's a useful, fantastic, um, great. Uh, yeah, I, could, I could dismiss this. It's like whatever. I, I I'm old enough to not care. Uh, but um, you do get that all the time, all the time. Well, it's like the guy who, you know, got into my DMs to send me a message going, you're pretty weird, aren't you? And it's like, yes, well spotted. No kidding. <laughs> I Indeed, I am. Um, like, mm. also, yeah. um, sorry to sorry to be the one to tell you this, but that's going to continue. That's hey. kind of my response to that one. I, so, you know, I, like I said, we're, we're of an age where it's like, if you can't, life's too short to worry about that kind of stuff. Go enjoy yourselves, folks. Oh, uh, yeah. And everybody's going to be weird in their own way. I promise you that. Promise you that. Uh, Diane sends a super chat. I really appreciate your reasonable minds can differ brand. Yes. Yes. Not just a brand, an ethos. That is literally my life philosophy. Thank you for providing the space for discussing topics in such a fair and balanced way. Well, thank you for joining us. And thank you for the super chat and supporting talks like this. Um, while I'm thinking of it, by the way, since we have talked about Ian and his desire to, to, to really invest fully in the YouTube space, go check out his channel, Runkle of the Bailey, uh, go like, go subscribe. He's got such wonderful stuff. He's got 24 hours of material. You can just go watch, uh, where he slowly goes delirious. And I try to keep him awake, uh, at various points in time during the day. And it's just, just fantastic. Go check it out. I will link it. Generally speaking, I link my guests in the or when in the chapters part. I'll say thanks to uh, Ian Runkle uh, of Runkle of the Bailey. Uh, so check out that link when I add it after the fact and uh, just have a great time. He's got awesome stuff uh, and he's great for a lawyer like me because I have no idea what's going on in Canada. It might as well be Sumerian. Uh, and he brings up all <laughs> sorts of stuff. Uh, and that's a lot of fun. Now, let's finish this article off so we can send people about their Thursdays. Uh, as we just said, Jones was Jones said, hey, you know what? You can decide what you want to do. Um, and you can go outside wearing sweatpants and a puffer jacket and you'll be sexualized. I, this has never happened to me, but I assume she means for young ladies. I could be on a podcast and it could just be my voice and I'll face the same thing. So I think it will be better there no matter what you do or how you present yourself. This is the society we live in. And that's what the New York Times finishes off. So not only did they waste our time with pearl clutching, not only did they use the photos that they otherwise are on their fainting couch discovering yeah. here, but they finished with, eh, <laughs> And it doesn't matter because you're going to get uh, sexualized anyway. So somebody got um, paid for that article, folks. Somebody got cool. paid and we should celebrate that. Somebody took money from the New York Times Corporation to get paid for submitting that article. All right. There you go. Well, basically, they're saying you're going to get sexualized anyway. But the real crime is if you somehow manage to make a profit on it. Yeah. If you if you if you make money off of it and, and I like hey, I. To me, it's like this was not enough of a of a proof even to get to the point where you're like, well, these these people are really going too far. They're using their university names or, you know, anything even remotely like that. It's just like, here's here's a pretty girl in a gymnast outfit and she's making a ton of money. Don't you hate her? Yeah. No, that's really what it comes down to. <laughs> I, I think that your point about the generational you know, aspect to it of like don't you hate that this woman is able to make all this money and her life is probably better than yours? It's like, um, I mean, I might like to have a more comfortable life myself, but <laughs> yes. who doesn't want more doesn't money? Mean, 
that doesn't mean <laughs> that I'm pissed at her. No, like, exactly. It just means that I, you know, gotta do whatever I gotta do in order to, you know, improve my life. Um, the whole thing of like, let's drag other people down is not useful. Like people, I saw something on Twitter where people were going like, you know, uh, a Canadian forces soldier makes this much money. Do you think it's right that a janitor should make, you know, more than that? I'm like, you're approaching this the wrong way. Shouldn't we pay the soldiers more rather than the janitor less? Like janitoring is a, is a hard job too. Right. Yeah, with its so, own obvious like, negatives. Right. You know, I mean, like nobody wants to do that. So, I mean, one of my friends in law school used to be a school janitor and the stories he told me of what that entailed. Uh, I was just like, wow um they should have paid you more money he's like yeah they should have but they they don't um we always get into that envy and resentment is like part of the human condition so i get that but i like to talk to people yeah. about it as best as i can because you get these conversations with pro athletes all the time right oh my quarterback makes 25 million a year teacher makes eighty thousand a year in, in public school something like that is that fair it's like well here's the deal a lot of people want to go see that person throw that ball um that money is coming in it, it does it should it go to the person throwing the ball or should it go to the guy in the box that owns the team because that's what we're talking about people have already expressed their market desires to go buy the tickets there's already x amount of dollars coming into the company is it fair is the market fair no i'm never going to go out and tell people that the market is fair uh yeah. that people throwing a ball should be valued so highly etc uh, etc et but supply and demand is an iron law of these kinds of things and so at that point in time, you can decide whether or not do you think, you know, Jeff Bezos, the future owner of the Washington Commanders, should get that money or, you know, whether it should go to the guy that's actually getting hit and otherwise doing the thing that you are enjoying watching, presumably, if you're otherwise making that possible. So there's all sorts of conversations you can have about that, about wealth and inequality and jobs and things like that. Maybe we'll do it on other hangouts. Maybe you can come on in the end if you decide to not sleep another night. <laughs> you know it's gonna happen because i am not the best at making life choices ian's great because it's 10 minutes before the show he texts me and says i'm still up by the way i was like i'll send you a link <laughs> yeah it's like yeah this is just how life is rolling oh that sarah thank you so much for the constant super chats and the photo montage to wake up to this morning thank you professor oh great and fun show today I, I appreciate you and I appreciate all your comments on this. And I can tell you're passionate about it, which I always like to see in this space. Diane Tincher Ethos, I stand corrected. No, no, it's a brand. It's both. We got blankets with it on it. It's a brand. I, I stand corrected. I heart your channel. And I'm so excited that I was able to catch you live instead of joining the replay crew. Celebration emoji, sparkling heart emoji. Thank you, Diane. I really appreciate it. It's both a brand and an ethos. No, it really is, though. I, I want to be clear on that. It's not something that I, you know, I just came up with that we need to put something on a blanket. Uh, it is how I, I live. It is how I believe. And the more that we can present that to the world, that somebody that disagrees with you, even passionately, is not necessarily a monster or an other, uh, is going to help. I know it seems little. I know it seems like, especially after this week, if you watch the timelines on Election Day, don't go on Twitter like around elections. I don't I don't know what to tell you oh. <laughs> on that. We still can be reasonable minds. We still can differ with each other and we can still treat each other as human beings. Uh, now, our the last Canadian election, people were like, hey, do you want to do like an election live stream? And I was like, I do not know. 
Um, thank you for asking. The answer to that is no. I would <laughs> rather um, hammer a nail into my skull. If you know, so I like the uh, the, the the Sarah comment here. Hogue's going to start getting trolled by all the Sarahs. If I start <laughs> getting like just a ton of DM'd half naked ESP in the magazine men in my in my DMs. I'm telling you, Sarah's. I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, all right, Ian. Not, that sounded like a request to me. It did not. <laughs> you're, you're a terrible counsel. Stop doing that. No, it's not a request. It's not a request. Uh, so, folks, uh, Ian, I, I already sent people to your channel. I want people to come visit you. You got anything on tap that you know is going up in the next little while? Um, I... I'm going to do one on... Uh, there's a gun range that's been fighting... Uh, the Canadian government, and there's an mm. update on that. Okay. Uh, I also want to do a video on, uh, there's a case called Stinchcomb, and it's basically where when Canadians got the right to see the evidence against them. So I kind of want to talk about that as well. Nice. Uh, just because it's one of those like foundational cases. And so if you are, if you are a Canadian, it is possibly the most important case uh, that affects sort of the criminal justice world. Um, and it's real recent. Like there are, um, there are lawyers who are practicing now who remember the pre Stinchcomb era and what that was like. And so that one I think is kind of a, you know, uh, an interesting thing. Um, it's always tough to decide because I kind of worry that like, People are just going to be bored by Canadian law content, especially because I love the long form videos. I like digging into these cases and talking about them. Uh, and I see somebody saying, is there any um, uh, role of law content coming as well? I'm working on a, a sort of glossary video for role of law, uh, basically for because lots of people who are watching Lawyers and Dragons. And if for the people who don't know, Role of Law is my the channel I made so that I could talk D and D geek stuff without messing up the algorithm. <laughs> um, that's basically what it's there for. Is that I really wanted to talk about some of this stuff, and I was like, I can either blow up my algorithm or I can make a second channel. So let's make the second channel. Uh, but lots of people who are you know finding out about Dungeons and Dragons through Lawyers and Dragons, and are like. I don't know what all of this stuff is. So I want to talk about like, what does a class mean? What is, you know, what does a race mean to have a race in a, on a D and D character? Um, if when, you know, when David says, Hey, roll 3d six, what is this crazy stuff? So sure, I want to yeah. do that and, you know, uh, put that up there in roll of law. Uh, there's a lot of D and D content out there. Not a lot that's sort of aimed at people who don't know what D&D is. And I feel like that's because it's content that makes no money. But I still kind of want to kind of want to be there and be helpful for the people who are watching Lawyers and Dragons and loving it. Because I am loving Lawyers and Dragons. That is, you know, you and David, that is like the best thing ever. So um, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. Speaking of which, Lords and Dragons, of course, uh, early morning, 10 a.m. Eastern on Saturday. We're going to have some fun. Ian gets up 
at the crack of dawn to participate in that stream. So thank you so much for being on that, Ian. All right, well, folks. I it helps that. Gimlet be surly. Yes, it does. It does, <laughs> doesn't it? It's surly Gimlet we love. Uh, everybody that has enjoyed this conversation, I didn't see somebody say, oh, he's never going to cover a topic like this again. No, I thought this actually went very well uh, for folks. You're always going to get a little bit of spice and a little bit of fun when you talk about these kinds of things in chat, but everybody's been very respectful. I also want to thank JoJo. Sometimes I don't get to see it because it doesn't come over to StreamYard. JoJo gifted five memberships today. Thank you so much, JoJo. That is awesome. That helps support the channel. And I really, really appreciate it. To everyone else, we're going to have casual Friday tomorrow. If you've got any ideas for headlines or topics, let me know. I don't exactly know what we're going to be covering on casual Friday, but we always find something interesting. Uh, so please join us tomorrow morning. And everyone else, have a great Thursday. And I will see you on the next episode here on the Hoglaw YouTube channel. Goodbye, everybody.